From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Jesus enters Jericho. Now, Jesus and Joshua, it's the same word in Greek, spelled the same way. This place, Jericho, is the same place that Joshua made the walls come tumbling down, and now Jesus comes to Jericho. And he meets a man named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus is a ruler amongst the tax collectors. And he's rich. Now, some of you might be familiar with the gospel according to St. Luke, and right about now, you can safely assume that something strange will happen with this story. In Luke, Jesus constantly wrong-foots the reader. And typically, Jesus in Luke acts like money is something that is dangerous. Zacchaeus, ostensibly, works for the occupying force, the Roman Empire. And his job is to tax his own people who are under oppression. Once Caesar gets his cut, tax collectors like Zacchaeus could take a little more from the people and if they wanted to, make a pretty comfortable life for themselves. I doubt Zacchaeus is the type of guy that got many invitations to hang out with people. He probably lived a pretty lonely existence. But Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. But being a short man, he can't see him. You might note, however, in the way that Luke tells the story, both in the English translation we used and in the Greek, his sentence structure is such that it is actually unclear if he could not see Jesus through the crowd because Zacchaeus was short or if he couldn't see Jesus through the crowd because Jesus was short. It's actually intentionally ambiguous in the telling of the story. And you can decide for yourself how you want to tell it when you tell the story. Zacchaeus runs up ahead of the crowd and he climbs up into a tree. I mean, when was the last time that you saw somebody totally abandon all of the social cues and embarrass themselves in order to get what they want. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you truly didn't care what people thought of you? You ever went after something so hard that you just didn't care what the people around you thought about you in your pursuit of it? If so, you know what it is to be Zacchaeus. This rich man hikes up his Gucci toga and runs, full sprint. 
Back then and today, frankly, powerful people don't run because they don't need to run. There's people for that. But Zacchaeus books it for anyone to see. Now, the story doesn't say that he wanted anything out of Jesus. It just says that he wanted to see Jesus. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you have really no clue why you're here. Maybe you don't really have any further intentions other than simply trying to get a glimpse of God. If you could just catch a little glimmer, that would be enough. And whatever's next will be next. But today you just want to lay eyes on the living God. Now, right when this becomes a sermon and a story about Zacchaeus going to great lengths to see Jesus, and you should too, the story flips. And it says that when Jesus came to the spot, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus. We always love to tell stories about us looking to find God, and God keeps telling us stories about how God looks for us. Jesus Christ looks at Zacchaeus. That is the gospel. In all of our attempts to try and catch a little glimmer of God, we discover instead God looking right at us. And Jesus tells Zacchaeus to come down because Jesus wants to hang out with him. There's no like further reason. There's no greater agenda. He just says, I would like for you to come down so that we can hang out. I think we should eat together. That would be a lot of fun. Let's go through a party. Let's sit at the table together. This is one of the things that I continue to love about Jesus Christ. We always think that God has some grander agenda, some larger purpose than getting us at the table with God. And what Jesus Christ keeps forcing us to realize is that there is no greater agenda than being at the table with one another, with God. So Zacchaeus plops down and he starts going into party planning mode. And everybody in the crowd, you know they started rolling their eyes. The text says that they were grumbling. Now, I probably don't use the word grumble very much, but I sure do it. How about you? They start grumbling and rolling their eyes and side-eyeing each other like, can you believe this guy? Does Jesus once again not know who he's talking to? Or at this point, is this just like a pattern? Does he know what he's doing? This crook represents everything that is wrong with our world. He is a sellout. He is working for corrupt people. And Jesus is just going to go hang out with him. He's going to go be seen at his house. This is a problem. Like... I'll say it. We're all thinking it. What is wrong with you, Jesus? What, what is your problem? Why do you keep doing this? And then Zacchaeus speaks. Hey, look, Lord. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Now, the English translation that we use gets it right. Zacchaeus is not making promises about the future. He doesn't say, hey, now that I've had this encounter with you and my life has changed, I'm going to start paying people back and I'm going to stop being a crook. No, not at all. He bears witness to what already is. And I get this sense that Zacchaeus 
has this moment where he can tell the truth about his own life to Jesus and say, hey, look, I know what people say about me. I'm not an idiot. And I am also not saying that I am perfect. I am not. And I know there's a lot of people in this crowd that think I'm out of pocket simply for having this job. But I'm telling you straight up, half of my possessions I give away to people who are poor. And yeah, I have cheated people before, but every single time I didn't just pay them back, I gave them back four times as much. And Jesus Christ declares that this surprising saint is a child of Abraham. So what if you are not Zacchaeus? What if you are a person in the crowd? Isn't it just so easy to create stories about people in order to then demonize them and talk trash about them in a way that makes you better? Or is that just me? We do that so easily. And the more people that I know, the more that I know myself, the more that I discover that our stories that we tell about people never account for the vast complexity of each individual. I mean, who among us is purely a saint? Who among us is purely sinner? When was the last time you let Jesus of Nazareth surprise you by showing you that the person you were always able to write off easily actually has virtues that if you were honest with yourself, you don't have? We are more complex creatures than the stories we tell about each other. And maybe you should start really looking at people the way Jesus did. If you do that, they may actually feel the space to bear witness to you and you might discover the ways in which they, even as a flawed person, with their own compromises and infidelities, even then still find ways to bring love and help into this world. It might help you tell a more honest story about other people. A more complex story, but a more honest one. And it might even help you tell a more honest story about yourself, a more complex one. But maybe you are Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus doesn't care what people think about him. He just runs. Though perhaps he doesn't care what people think because he assumes that that story's already been written. And if they already have a negative opinion about him, who cares? I'm climbing up the sycamore tree. You know, there's not very many sycamore trees in the Bible. St. Augustine pounces on this and he begins playing around with the etymology of sycamore tree. Sycamore tree means the foolish tree. Zacchaeus throws all reputation out the window and climbs the foolish tree. There is a sense in which Zacchaeus knew something that we don't, right? In just a few chapters in Luke's gospel, Jesus will climb a foolish tree of his own. And the message of the cross has always been foolishness for those who are perishing. But for the others of us, it is the power of God. 
It is written that God will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligence will be frustrated. Where are all these wise people? Where are all these teachers of the law? Where is all of this age's philosophers? Where have they gone? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased through foolishness to show us who God really is. And the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. My dear sisters, brothers, and siblings, the cross is the foolish tree that Jesus Christ climbed to get a glimpse at all of us. The cross is the foolish tree where he shows us all how to come down in humility so that we can move from that foolish tree to a table, to an altar, where we all discover that while we were lost, we have now been sought and saved. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.